When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. WABC remembers our colleague, our friend, radio legend, Bernard McGurk. Good morning, God bless. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, the I-Man's next ranch accident permanently keeps him from talking. And that he returns to New York in the condition of Stephen Hawking. President Trump, welcome to the brand new Bernie and Sid in the morning show on WABC. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too, but I've known Bernard for, we don't want to say how long, right, Bernard? <laughs> no, it's, been, it's been a while. I love you. Are you nuts? Well, you said love. Now it's in the past tense. So No, I, I, I still do. Working with me for four years, you don't hate me at this point? On certain days. <laughs> Not every day, but this morning I don't hate you at all. Please join us on Tuesday morning as we will have a special tribute show honoring the life of our colleague, our friend, Bernard McGurk. Too many sad days, my friends. We all have them, and they cannot be avoided. They're part of human life, of course. We here at WABC are in mourning for our colleague, Bernard McGurk. And there's not much. I can't tell you that I knew him well. I can't tell you that. I didn't. But I know his reputation. And, of course, Sid, Sid, my heart breaks for you. You know, I, I do know Sid, and I have the um, the fortune now of being able to count Sid among my friends in this business. And uh, my heart breaks for you, Sid. It breaks for everybody who loved Bernie. Uh, you guys were a team, and I know what part of being a team is when you lose your leader in the team, or if you are, in this case, one of two leaders on the team. I got the call last night from Chad uh, Lopez, the president of Red Apple Media, that, that Bernie had lost his long battle and was now comfortably away from the pain and the frustrations of this life and into the next where no doubt he is enjoying glory at this moment. So condolences to the family, deep condolences to the family, and also to us. So many here at WABC and so many of us in this WABC family, including our listening audience, who dearly miss 
Bernie. And as you heard, there will be more coming. We are going to have a remembrance of Bernie on the air that I know each and every one of you that were fans would want to be a part of. So stay tuned for that. And if you'd like to talk about your favorite moments with Bernie or the show, feel free. You can join us as always here, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. You know, it's just been recently that, uh, you know, the reason I'm here is that my my life came to uh, the way it was in radio, (laughs) came to an end. When Rush passed, and I'm still grieving that, as we all are, that we're very close with Rush, and now this. But this is part of life, and what what choice do we have? We go through life, and we have to keep our head up and pretend that our own existence is somewhat secure, even though in reality there is no security day to day. But this is all part of life. But we will miss, certainly, Miss Bernie here at WABC. And again, those of you that would like to comment, please feel free. Your comments are welcome. I am going to carry on with what we do here, which is to sometimes take a look at the news. Yesterday, we took a look at a lighter side of the news with the Tom Brady uh, stuff, which is not normal for us. We usually just stay with a lot of the political and cultural news. Today, Most of the news is disturbing. It is so much disturbing news out here. Whether it's politically disturbing, and we may not be able to get in-depth in every story. I have an hour here, which is not long, but there's also disturbing news on the culture front. Before the show, there was a story that broke on the Daily Mail. The federal agents have enough evidence to charge Hunter Biden with tax crimes. Federal agents conducting a long-running probe of the president's son believe they have sufficient evidence to charge him with tax fraud, making false statements on a gun permit. That's according to a bombshell report, and of all places, the Amazon Prime Washington Post. Federal prosecutors, though, have made no decision on whether to charge Hunter Biden with a crime, and his lawyer blasted what he called the DOJ leak, demanding an investigation of anyone who put out the information. Good luck with that. Washington, D.C. is run on leaks. The case is being overseen by a U.S. attorney in Delaware, Biden and Attorney General, Democrat Attorney General for the Democrat Justice Department, Merrick Garland, have repeatedly said they would leave the case to career prosecutors. The gun purchase matter relates to standard paperwork for purchasing a weapon. Hunter, on that paperwork, denied using unlawful drugs or being addicted to drugs. However, in his own memoir, as you know, he's admitted to um, being addicted to crack, to cocaine. And his struggles with drug and alcohol use at this point are not even in question. They're known. His lawyer, Chris Clark, teed off on the leakers. He says it's a federal felony for a federal agent to leak information about a grand jury investigation such as this one. And the agent you cite as a source in your article apparently has committed such a felony. Well, yeah, there are leaks all around. 
I'll tell you what, why don't you put the person that's in charge of finding the leaker over at the uh, Supreme Court in charge of finding out who this leaker is? Why not? Why don't we do that? And then maybe we can find out who these uh, who these leakers are. Another troubling story, my friends. Republicans, and why it's only Republicans demanding this, I don't know. Republicans are demanding that the Biden administration look into China stealing secrets from where? The United States of America's nuclear lab. Beijing, China, recruited leading scientists from a top United States nuclear nuclear laboratory. This is a decades-long plot to advance its own military. There are claims... If you haven't heard this, sit down, hold on to your seat. There are claims that at least 162 scientists, 162 scientists who we allowed to work at the Los Alamos National Laboratory in New Mexico have returned to China to support a variety of domestic research and development programs. That all happened between 1987 and 2021. They have been infiltrating the Chinese government And we let them, Los Alamos National Laboratory, according to this report, for decades. And we let them in. This goes beyond one president. This goes beyond one administration. And I don't know why at this point, if this is true, that 162 scientists that were once at Los Alamos and now back in China, helping China do its dirt deeds, their dirty deeds, why in the world is Los Alamos still open? Why do we allow this facility to stay open? Why hasn't there been a thorough cleansing of the house in Los Alamos? Here's something from the report. A letter from Representative Michael Waltz of Florida. The letter says China's ruling Communist Party goes after seemingly innocuous key civilian technologies. It acquires them illicitly. It exploits the dual-use potential of those technologies, and they build up their military capabilities from there. Well, let's do the full one, and let's go back and remember that during the Clinton administration, somehow or another, from Clinton donors, they acquired the ability over in communist China to make sure that their rockets, the ones that, you know, carry the nukes, stopped malfunctioning, stopped blowing up. And they were able to successfully change the guidance on them so that their guidance became reliable, so that they could point them at us. We have known about this for decades, decades. And yet here we are, 162 scientists, our top nuclear lab. They go in there, they learn what they learn, they walk it back over to China. And here we are sitting there with our thumbs up our butts one more time. Do you trust your government? Do you trust the ability of your government to do their jobs? Liz Cheney's in the news. She says absolutely she'd vote for Democrats. And she says one of the biggest threats to the collapse that could lead to the collapse of this country is if election deniers get in office. You know, I don't know what Liz Cheney's problem is. And I have been really, tried to be really generous and not go after her personally. But 
It seems to me the biggest election deniers in this country are people like Liz Cheney. People that believe that everything that took place in the last election, the election before that, everything that takes place with ballot harvesting, the people like Liz Cheney who believe that there's absolutely nothing wrong with the way elections are conducted in this country are the biggest election deniers there are. If we don't have enough crime and murder, death, try this on for size, ladies and gentlemen. Thousands of prisoners, thousands, not hundreds, thousands of convicts, thousands of prisoners, thousands of felons are set to be released across the state of Illinois. It's the first state that's going to completely do away with what? Cash bail. Because cash bail isn't there. So let them out. Let the criminals out. This is your Democrat governor there, Pritzker, of the hotel fame. They're going to abolish cash bails. New York, New Jersey, New Mexico, Kentucky, California have all reformed their bail laws. And you see how well it's done in New York. If you haven't, we'll tell you later. We got more. Let me pull New York stack up. Show you how well that's doing here. A Bronx cop slashed in the nose, tried to take an apparently emotionally disturbed man into custody. That happened up on West Fordham and Grand Avenue. I could go on, and I'll go on when we get back from the break, because there's more New York City news. We'll be right back. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Don't go away. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Rush. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley. Bo Snerdley on 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snerdley. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley. Rush. 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 Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? I could really use a wish right now. Wish right now. Wish right now. I wish there were no more Democrat debates. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right Hour of darkness here at WABC. As you know, our morning show host, co-host Bernie McGurk passed away. And we are in mourning today. We are continuing to do what we do here on James Golden, a.k.a. Boston Early's Rush Hour, and that is bring you the news. And there is a lot of news. I mentioned one, uh, as if there's not enough death and mayhem and murder in Chicago, the new governor there is getting ready to release thousands, not hundreds, thousands of convicts. And they're going to roam the streets there like they've been roaming. Chicago is like a, a death city every weekend. But it's not enough. Not enough, not enough dead people every weekend. Not enough people being killed by these marauding animals that are let out of jail. So they're going to let out even more. They're going to no cash bail. Don't worry, you can do whatever you want to. You're presumed innocent. doesn't matter whether we catch you with the bloody knife in your hand, catch you with the gun. You're presumed innocent. So go ahead, go back out there and see what other mayhem you can impose or inflict on society because we it's not fair it's racist to keep you in jail 
This is progressivism. You're watching it. These people, Pritchard's never going to have to worry. He's a billionaire that lives far, far away from the cities that he's supposed to protect. He lives in the proverbial ivory tower and always has. What does he care if you're a neighborhood? What does he care if those people in those poor neighborhoods have to deal with the criminals? The same way you're in New York City Council saw fit to let these criminals roam the streets here in New York. And every day, all you have to do is pick up the paper or read what's going on, see what's going on, see the videos, see the videos of these little gangs of marauders on the subways pummeling people. They've even taken to becoming like cartoon caricatures, wearing green leotards, gangs of girls on the subways at 2 a.m. in the morning beating up robbing people. But it's not just in New York. This evil, my friends, is afflicting. It is is spreading all over America. This evil. Let's talk evil, my friends. It really does exist in the world. Pure evil. A drunk driver on parole, on parole, another one that was let go. Because we have to be nice. We can't be harsh and actually hold people accountable for their crimes. No, no, no. This story makes me so sick to my stomach. I don't even want to do it but I feel a sense of responsibility to let you know what is going on in your nation, in our nation, in our beloved nation. A drunk driver on parole repeatedly ran his truck over a six-year-old. This happened in Houston, Texas. He stopped his vehicle on the head of a six-year-old and killed him, and he laughed. Dana Hubbard told ABC 13 he and his grandson, Darian Lewis, were on their way to get a snack at a local convenience store when Pedro Alberto Hernandez, 52 years old, mowed down the boy in a parking lot. Hernandez was already on promotion for a 2020 DWI conviction. He was convicted. He's not behind bars. He's let loose. And what does he do? Under the terms of his probation, he wasn't supposed to drink. He had to install an ignition interlock device on his vehicle. But later, after he killed the boy, he admitted he had had four beers. The grandfather said that he came on the left side and hit his grandson. He runs. He says, you just hit my grandson. What does Hernandez do? He stops. He backs up. He drove over the grandson again, stopped his truck on his head, a six-year-old. The grandfather, horrified. Can you imagine? Seeing someone run over your grandson, stop a vehicle on his head. He opens the door. And what is Mr. Hernandez doing? He's in the truck laughing. 
laughing. Let's see how long it takes before they release him again. In progressive Houston, run by Democrats. New York City, homeless man arrested for murder. Subway, uh, subway slashing victim killed while commuting home. Another person working. 43-year-old Tommy Bailey, 43-year-old steam fitter. Sliced in the neck on the L train, headed toward Canarsie, Brooklyn. Alvin Charles, 43-year-old homeless man, escorted out of the 73rd Precinct Wednesday after being charged with the murder. Bailey was a father of two. They'll never see their father again. What was their father's crime? He was just coming home from work on the L train, the very subways that our dearly beloved Mayor Adams has pledged to make safe while he parties Every night he can party somewhere with the celebrity class. Bailey's murder, the sixth killing, sixth killing on a New York City subway so far this year. Those subways that Mayor Adam says he's going to make safe, transit crime is up 57% in July, up by 42% overall this year. More evil. A deranged 18-year-old Texas man arrested Monday. He tried to choke multiple babies to death at the Odessa Regional Medical Center. He was at the hospital because his girlfriend, poor thing, was in labor. He approached the nurse's station, grabbed her arm, Asked to leave the area, he began running back and forth down the hall. Then he approached a new mom holding her newborn baby. This guy tries to choke multiple newborn babies in the hospital. Oh, here's another one. This doesn't involve the humans, so maybe some people might think it's not that serious. It involves turkeys. This is in Pennsylvania. 11 people, 11, working for one of the nation's largest leading turkey producers have been charged with animal cruelty. Every night at this farm, Plainview Farms, the crews threw turkeys around, viciously kicked them, stomped on them, Kill them in the most rampant top-to-bottom display of cruelty to farmed animals we've ever seen. Yeah, a member of PETA said this, and I know PETA gets lame, gets slammed for all with all kind of jokes. People for the ethical treatment of animals, and some people like to joke, "Oh yeah, people eating tasty animals," but this is the kind of cruelty that they were able to uncover at a farm that provides your turkeys right in time for Thanksgiving. Evil. Evil. And there are so many more. Do you know the Justice Department went after a bunch of pro-life activists? They have arrested them. They have charged them. They face 
up to 11 years in jail for allegedly blocking abortion centers. But here's a story, Daily Signal. That same FBI under Merrick Garland will not share whether it has made any arrests related to the attacks on pro-life centers, organizations, any of the attacks on the Catholic Church. At least 83 Catholic churches, 73 pregnancy resource centers for pro-life organizations have been attacked since Roe v. Wade was overturned. And yet, what is the Joe Biden Democrat Party Justice Department doing out there shaking down and arresting pro-life activists? Meanwhile, not a word, not one word about all these attacks on Catholic churches, not one word about these attacks on pregnancy resource centers. Yeah. Two-tier justice system, anybody? Right in front of your face, right in front of your face. They don't care whether you know. They put it in front of your face, and they laugh at us. November's coming. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On 77 WABC. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Wicked good. We need more cork in the bathroom. So I went to the hardware store and I talked to Addie and I talked to Bobby. We need more cork. So I went out and I packed a car and went back into the hardware store and I says, Bobby. I go home to my wife. She says, you're retarded. Remembering Bernie McGurk. A WABC co-host of Bernie and Sid. Of course, we lost Bernie yesterday, and we will be having a special Remembrance Day for Bernie here on WABC next Tuesday. Stay with us on WABC right now. It's my pleasure to present Representative Chip Roy, my dear friend Chip Roy. Chip, how are you this afternoon? James, I'm doing great. I'm blessed. I'm in the great state of Texas, and I'm on the uh, phone and on the radio with you. So I'm great. Well, thank you, Chip. Chip, I have to ask you a few questions. You know, I just did a disturbing uh, a, a story about uh, this one of the most horrible stories I've ever read in my life about a horrific crime that occurred in Houston. Uh, a guy out on probation runs over a six-year-old boy there. We rest his car on his head and laughs. The guy's out on probation already for intoxicated driving. But this is just one. It's happening all over the nation where people that, that were in jail or should be in jail are out on the streets creating mayhem. And little by little, people are wondering what country they live in. The fabric of this nation, Chip, seems to be deteriorating before our eyes. Well, you know, you're exactly right, and we could talk about this for a whole, you know, afternoon, a whole segment. Um, and th- what we're seeing right now is the unraveling of law and order and the rule of law, and it is coming on multiple fronts, right? It is happening at our border with an obscene situation with cartels having control of our border and the rule of law meaning nothing. Um, it's happening in our cities and throughout our country where we've got uh, basically big city police chiefs. Uh, big city city councils uh, and uh, often district attorneys, heavily funded by George Soros, but also this is just cultural rot. They are purposely allowing the criminals to uh, run rampant over the law-abiding citizens, 
and they're doing so in the false name of justice. And I really appreciate you highlighting this. And, and it's doing nobody any good. It's not doing any. It's not giving anybody any justice. Uh, the fact is that kind of lawlessness is harming people, and we need to push back on it. And people need to remember, like it's your life, it's your community. When my great great grandfather was a Texas Ranger uh, in the West Texas, in the you know where I, basically where I live in Central Texas uh, in the 1870s, he wasn't looking to somebody to answer problems. They stopped criminal activity. They fought to protect their homes. We've got to remember that this is a basic function of our government and our people, and we've got to secure our homes. And it starts locally. You got to win those races locally. I didn't mean to blindside you with that, Chuck, because I, I, Chip, because I asked you initially, Chip, to come on and talk to us about this new Supreme Court term. I have seen nothing but abject panic from the left. Some of the headlines, and I'm paraphrasing them, said, if you think last term was bad, just wait till this term. And what they're afraid about, three areas in particular, but there are more. But the top three, they're worried that the court's going to take a look at affirmative action, and they're worried what's going to happen there. They're worried that the court is going to look at some of the environmental regulations in this country and see whether the rollbacks that happened during the Trump administration are in fact valid. They're also uh, going to look at election law and the Voting Rights Act. And what is, Chip, you are well-versed in the law. You are extremely well-versed in the law. When you look at what the Supreme Court is taking on, do you have any fear for this nation? Or do you think that their fears that the Supreme Court is moving, as they say, in a two-partisan and right-wing zealotry and all this stuff, what do you what is your take on all of this? Well, again, that could be a long conversation, but let's just yeah. cut to the chase. Um, number one, we should not be living every June with bated breath waiting for the Supreme Court to tell us how to live. That's actually our problem. And I say that right now with a Supreme Court that is more tilted in favor of my belief system about how the law should be interpreted and how the Constitution should be interpreted and applied. We have a good and strong Supreme Court right now, and that Supreme Court is standing up and doing the right thing on a lot of cases. Not every case. I could point to some bad ones, but it's doing a better job. But we shouldn't celebrate that as conservatives just because we're getting some outcomes we like at the moment. Because you, you don't have to look any farther than Kataji Brown-Jackson, who just two days ago, in some questioning that she was putting forward in, in arguments, she was saying, oh, you know, I basically think the 14th Amendment doesn't mean that we should be gearing towards a colorblind, colorblind society and applying the law towards a colorblind uh, 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 you know, uh, purpose. But rather, she said, no, we should be explicitly using it to focus on race and racial division. That's the problem. We've got a group of activists that are now dotting our judiciary that will be moving up in the ranks in circuit courts and in the Supreme Court. We need to, as conservatives, peel back the amount of power in the court. Look, this court will do a decent job this term, assuming they're healthy and we keep the current makeup on most of the issues we care about. The kinds of cases that are coming up are EPA-related cases about how far they can go, uh, you know, admission standards and affirmative action, as you mentioned. Um, the Colorado uh, website designer refusing to uh, make her services available for same-sex weddings, those issues. There's, there's other cases. We'll get some decent rulings on some of these, but we have got to start pulling back, getting all this stuff going to the court, and we've got to start applying the people's house 
in the House of Representatives and our state legislatures to make sure we're protecting how we want to live locally and in our states. Well, let me just just respond to that by asking you another question about where the American people are headed as a people. It was, Chuck, I, Chip, I remember so well in my childhood the arguments over race, okay? Yep. Um, and, and the consensus growing up when Dr. King famously said that we should judge people by the content of their character, and that should be the deciding issue, not the superficial color of skin. It seems that for a large swath of the United States, that no longer holds. That, 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 that we are now arguing with half the country that believes we should indeed be looking at people's color or we should be looking at whatever gender identity they have in determining an outcome. How do we... Or do we? Is it too late for us to return back to persuading most of America that we should really be judging people on merit, that the government should be colorblind, that the government should treat each of its citizens equally without, without any prejudice about their color or about any of the other identity politics uh, labels that they have adopted for themselves. Well, look, I think you, you Ray, gosh, this is a really important question. And, 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 and James, you're a really important voice in this conversation. Um, one, we leaders of the country need to stop funding all of the programs that divide us by race. Republicans do it every damn day. They vote for programs because they don't want to be called racist, because they don't want to be called, you know, you're you're radical or whatever, you know, and they they vote for all these programs that still divide us by race. We should stop that. We should stop funding programs, the Department of Defense that are requiring people to apologize for their, you know, their white guilt and for, you know, uh, oh, your hatred as a white person. We should stop doing that. We should we should immediately focus on our schools. It's not enough for the state of Texas to pass a ban of critical race theory, CRT. We have to actually go stop all of the programs in the schools that are doing it. There's a school district in San Antonio dividing people up by hair color. Literally, they sat there and last year, last spring, I think, separated kids by hair color. Said, you blonde kids, you get to stay, you get to go to lunch. You brown colored uh, hair uh, kids, you have to stay here and clean up the room. You other kids, right? And they did that for a whole day. And we got to stop doing that. And all of this starts at the kitchen table. It starts in churches. It starts in our homes. We as a people have got to, to strive towards the colorblind society we know we all want. That's I, Everybody I talk to, nobody wants to be walking around dividing us by race. But they've bought into this liberal gobbledygook that we, we have something we've got to apologize for. And we've got to go around dividing us up by race instead of just moving forward, treating everybody fairly and equally under the law, equal justice under the law. That was the goal. It is the goal. We'll never fully achieve it because we're flawed, sinful men and women, but we should strive for it every day. And we shouldn't let these leftists from Ivy League universities keep dividing us under up, up by race and say that our Constitution says that we must do that. It's a lie. We should call them out for it. Well, just the other day, Vice President Harris said that people in Florida 
would receive <clears throat> resources, and these people are in horrible need. It's one of the worst natural disasters in American history. And she had the audacity to stand in front of people and say that people would receive help by racial preference, by equity preference. She did exactly that, and it's abhorrent and wrong. Uh, that will further divide us up, and frankly, it's, 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 uh, it'll be an unfair application by government choosing winners and losers. And that's ultimately the problem, James. No matter what reasoning government is doing to choose winners and losers, it's wrong. It's wrong if they're trying to if they were uh, denying uh, black Americans access to water fountains, schools, swimming pools, access to you know positions in, in universities, et cetera, and jobs. It's wrong now if you're dividing people by race and saying, well, we're not going to do this because, you know, you're white and you're the product of, uh, you know, some years of, of uh, you know, of discrimination in the past and, and a product of, of, a, of a country that had slavery. And we're going to go tear down statues. Now you have the vice president of the United States saying we're going to take taxpayer money and we're going to go, quote, rebuild Florida based on race. That's the dumbest damn thing that I possibly could imagine saying that you want to say to our kids and our grandkids how we want to have a country. We should have a country that is judged by the content of our character, not the color of our skin. We should be striving to be a colorblind society. All of us are children of, of Jesus and that, we, and that we're all treating each other fairly. We will fail, James, because we're flawed people. I gave a speech last year in defense of Thomas Jefferson at the University of Virginia alongside my friend Rich Lowry. And you know what I did? I didn't stand up and defend Thomas Jefferson, the man. You know why? I didn't know him. He died almost 200 years ago. But what I do know is what he ended up standing for and putting together the words that served at the foundation of the greatest country that has ever existed on this planet that was able to, within 80 years, eradicate the institution of slavery and then within years after that start to build us to the full fulfillment of the ideas that he wrote in the Declaration. That is a massive achievement for humankind and people of all color. And I'm never going to apologize for it. I'm not going to defend him as a human being because I don't know him. But I do know what he wrote and what he stood for and what those founders pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to give us. And we should damn well stand up and defend it for our kids and grandkids. That's where Representative Chip Roy. Uh, Chip, <clears throat> and I go back a long ways, folks. I consider Chip a dear friend. And thank you, Representative. I'd like to invite you back. Let's figure out how we can get you here every you know, at least once every six weeks so that you can continue to let Americans know what is going on in their Congress. And by the way, let me just say this about you to your face. Chip Roy sometimes comes under a lot of heat from our mainstream press. And I'm talking about the networks gang up on him. They try to smear him. They do their best to discredit him because Chip Roy is one of the few that is unafraid to stand on principle. And he does it and he always is consistent with it. And for that, America owes you a great deal of debt, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Well, James, God bless you all. Come on anytime. I love being on your show. Thank you for what you mean for America. Thank you for your friendship to Rush and your friendship to me. God bless you, sir. We'll be on soon. Thank you, Chip. Representative Chip Roy, James Golden, A.K. Snurley, we're coming back after this. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Bo Snerdly on 77 WABC. I knew that saying. 
It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now here's Bo Snerdly. Back with it, girl. Oh, Sing this is Bernie's Friday Night Song, baby. Bunks with it, girl. Dance with it, girl. This is like night fever for John Travolta for Bernie. You get all crazy, right? I do like this. Now I'm feeling Friday. And then you should too. I hope everybody's feeling Friday. A two-day respite from the madness. Bernie and Sid. Again, our deepest condolences to Bernie's family. And we're part of that family. And my good friend Sid, my heart breaks for you, Sid. I understand. You know, I just heard from my buddy, Mike Mamone, who was uh, Rush's engineer for almost three decades. And paraphrasing what uh, Mike texted me, he's like, you know, I didn't know Bernie, but I knew his reputation. And, of course, you know, Bernie had a great reputation. He is, you, you see him in the papers today referred to as a legend, and that is his reputation, the legendary. And then Mike said to remind him of, uh, of Kit Carson, our chief of staff with Rush, who passed five years before Rush did. And we never got over Kit because he was kind of like our linchpin. <clears throat> so it's the same thing. Sad day here at WABC Talk Radio 77. But when you hear the laughs that that Bernie brought, they are real and they will last forever. Stevie brings us back joy inside my tears. You brought some joy inside my tears. Well, there are plenty of people that have tears when they go to the grocery store, when they go pay their bills. Americans, battered by soaring inflation since President Biden took office, have effectively suffered the steepest pay cut in a quarter century. That's according to data released by none other than the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas published new findings that calculated real wages, the amount of money Americans take home when adjusted for inflation, reveals that the median decline in real wages is a little more than 8.5%. You have lost almost 10% of your earning power under Joe Biden. Yeah, this was, remember, he was the guy that was when we had a roaring economy under Donald Trump that said Donald Trump was a fraud and, oh, he's not a grown-up and he can do better and all this. And now look. Look what he's done to this country in less than four years. 
Speaking of look who's done, Abbott, Governor Adams. I'm mixing up names today like crazy. Governor Adams, Mayor Adams. Thank goodness he's not the governor. Mayor Eric Adams is blaming Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott for trying to, get this folks, undermine cities with black mayors. Black mayors. So now he's going to make it racial. Now the immigration problem goes racial. Oh, no. Adams is specific. Abbott. Governor Abbott specifically targeting cities with black mayors. So you see what happens if you elect a black mayor in America. Now you're racist. If you do anything political that actually points to their hypocrisy, now it's racial. Now, by sending immigrants to sanctuary cities, cities that have declared themselves sanctuaries for illegal immigration, like Chicago, like Nueva York, and where else? He had another one. But now, oh, no, no, Greg Abbott is a racist. Why? Because he's sending illegal immigrants to cities where black, oh, Washington, D.C. was the other one. So now you're a racist. These Democrats in that damn race card, that is ultimately that's all they ever have. When they win office, they're not satisfied. You're picking on me because I'm black. When they lose office, you're a racist. You don't elect me because I'm black. It's a catch-22. No matter what you do, you're a racist because they're black, and they're going to find a way to play the race card on you no matter what. I'm sorry. I have hogged all the time today. (laughs) Jacqueline in Brooklyn. Welcome. How are you, Jacqueline? Hi, James. I'm okay. I hope you're doing uh, well also. Um, First off, This is a rough day. Yeah, and and that's why I'm calling. You know, I just wanted to say if if we can all collectively pray for Bernie and for his family at this time, but also, especially following that interview you just aired, um, if we can also pray for America. And if if you will allow me, um, I heard this on a Christian news program. They are sponsoring a 40-day of prayer for America. It began 12 days ago on September 25th, and it runs through November 3rd which coincidentally or not happens to be the week before Election Day. And if anyone contacts them either by phone or at their website, they will send them for free a Pray for America flag as well as a bumper sticker. So if, if you would allow Well, you know what? I'm glad you said that. I'll let people find it on their own. They can Google and find it because I don't want to promote what's going on at another radio station. That would be kind of harsh for the, for the good folks here at WABC. But I'm glad you brought it up. And I will say this, we all need to pray for this country, because when you look at the evil, and folks, we are in a battle, we are in a battle that is beyond a physical battle. We are in a battle for the soul of this nation, and we cannot weaken before this enemy of evil. The stakes are too high. May God bless you and your families and protect you. And, of course, prayers for Bernie and his family. 
And for my man, Sid. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.